from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. From drought to floods. So it's been a pretty stressful year. What Louisiana farmers are seeing for soybeans as they harvest climate smart agriculture. Oh, absolutely. It can help with the ledger sheep. It's nothing new for some farmers in Nebraska. What they've learned that can help you flip your soil. As farmers bring in the harvest, water levels on the Mississippi continue to drop. And so do exports right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. There's another supply chain snarl happening right now across the heart of the country, and it couldn't come at a worse time for American farmers. The Mississippi River is currently at its lowest level in 23 years. How low is it? Well, take a look at this chart, a river gauge in New Orleans, registering that the stage is near just three feet. And as you can see, it's not forecast to rise much above that through the end of the month. But videos and pictures, they show the true impact. This one taken near the Memphis-Arkansas Bridge, which goes over the river. You can see the bridge is hardly needed right now. Further downriver in Mississippi, this video taken at Rosedale. People actually able to walk in areas that used to be well underwater. Of course, this is impacting the movement of corn and soybeans on the river as farmers bring in the crops from harvest. Companies are having to limit the number of barges they can take at one time and also limit the volume of soybeans and grain loaded onto each barge by about 10% for beans. The Soy Transportation Coalition says all of this is particularly concerning for soybeans because 80% of exports happen between now and February. And the slowdown in barge traffic on the Mississippi is showing up in weekly export sales. Export sales for the week ending October 6th were low, especially for corn, at only 7.9 million bushels. The total for the marketing year is at 528 million bushels, which is down 51% from a year ago. However, market analysts aren't overly concerned yet because we're not in a key export window for corn. Now, it's not like there's any the panic about Michelle on the corn exports. We traditionally don't export a lot of corn in the fall. We tend to be the big shipper of beans in the fall and corn in the springtime. So there will be time to uh, maybe make up for these corn sales, but it, you would like to see some of the sales come in. Weekly soybean exports were 26.6 million bushels with wheat exports at only 7.8 million bushels. Both were on the low end of expectations. Farmers are continuing to race to bring in the harvest. Meteorologist Matt Yurisavik has an update to help you plan ahead. Matt, the Midwest could really use some rain to help fill in some of those rivers. Yeah, that's right, Clinton. They do need the rain, and unfortunately, it looks like the middle part of the country, the upper Midwest, going to stay mostly dry heading through this week. It's going to be a battle of the seasons again, cooler in the north, warmer in the south, and you can see on Monday the real big area of very cool air over the Great Lakes. That's going to linger in the northeast and mid-Atlantic states through at least Wednesday. And the cooler air will filter back up farther into Canada and it still stays milder in the east while staying very warm across the center of the country and dry as well. That's one thing that most of the country will see very dry conditions this week expecting above average rainfall back in the southwest parts of Arizona, New Mexico and West Texas. But the middle of the country, the Mississippi and everything that filters into it are going to stay extremely dry 
as we head through this week. And here's a look at Monday. Some of those lake-enhanced rain and even snow showers mixing in in the Great Lakes and some showers moving through the Mid-Atlantic and the Northeast. And then some rain across Texas and back in the Southwest. Otherwise, things drying out through the middle of the week and more sunshine to follow with mild temperatures through the middle part of the country. And yes, some portions of the country have already seen some snow. The National Weather Service in Duluth seeing enough snow on Friday to make this miniature snowman. Meteorologists there reporting on Friday morning that they saw almost two inches of snow. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. USDA is looking for comments on financial aid set aside for those discriminated against in USDA farm lending programs. The aid coming via the amended Inflation Reduction Act, $2.2 billion set aside in January of last year. Meanwhile, a group of minority farmers is suing over the repeal of the debt relief program under the original Inflation Reduction Act. The four Virginia farmers allege repeal of the first debt relief effort is a breach of contract by the government. Reuters reporting around 14,000 farmers of color received letters from USDA last year promising that debt relief, but some white farmers had sued, alleging discrimination, saying the relief was based on race instead of need. After that, the debt forgiveness effort was repealed and replaced with one based on need. You may remember this uh, Beyond Meat executive arrested for assault after being accused of biting a man's nose. Now that executive is leaving the company. Chief Operating Officer Doug Ramsey allegedly bit the man's nose following an Arkansas football game. He was arrested last month on charges of terroristic threatening and third-degree battery and released on bond. Beyond Meat suspended Ramsey. It has now announced Friday was his last day on the job. He joined the company back in December of last year after a three-decade career at Tyson Foods. Flip Your Soil on Ag Day is brought to you by ESN Smart Nitrogen. Today we're starting a week-long series on soil health in an effort to help you flip your soil from good to great. Ag Day's Michelle Rook kicks it off. Clinton, USDA recently announced nearly $3 billion in funding for Climate Smart Agriculture projects. They're designed to help agriculture lower its carbon footprint and improve sustainability. But many farmers already have a head start. Climate Smart Agriculture isn't a new concept for farmers. They've been climate smart for years. Nebraska NRCS state conservationist Robert Lawson says it's just a new name for the many conservation practices they're utilizing on their farms. When we talk climate smart ag, we talk about the practices that we are implementing day in and day out. So whether that's no-till, cover crops, crop rotation, nutrient management, uh, those, uh, those are some specific practices. The goal, he says, is to improve soil health and promote carbon sequestration. Using no-till, cover crops, that's helping build the organic matter over time, and that is only helping improve the soil, reducing erosion, and also improving water quality as well. Farmers are also using technologies such as precision agriculture to better manage inputs and nutrients, which also improves soil health. Whether that's irrigation water management and nutrient management and variable rate technologies. These conservation practices also help farmers reduce the ever-rising cost of inputs on their farm. Oh, absolutely. It can help with the ledger sheet by reducing uh, tillage practices over the field by going to no-till, um, reducing the amount of uh, diesel that you need to, to buy for the year, using cover crops to help with weed suppression so it's not another pass over the operation. 
Lawson says many farmers integrated these practices into their operations even before there was government or other incentives because they want their farms to be sustainable. They're the stewards of this uh of the land, absolutely, and the reason they are is because they know they want to, they need to keep it for future gener generations. And they want to leave the land better than they found it. In Nebraska, I'm Michelle Rook reporting for Ag Day. Last week we saw some wide swings in commodity markets, especially for wheat. Up next we'll take a look at what's ahead as we start anew. And later, harvest is getting close to wrapping up along the Gulf Coast. We'll see how soybeans did in Louisiana in the country. Export numbers from USCA last week failed to impress the markets on Friday. Michelle Rook is back with a look at what traders will be watching this week in this morning's Market Now report. Joining us with market analysis is Mark Schultz with North Star Commodity. We ended the week on Friday with lower grain trade. It felt like uh, the higher dollar and the lower exports kind of combined to press that market. Yeah, it's, uh, it certainly was a different tone from Thursday to Friday. But overall, for the week, uh, it was uh, uh, a sell-off at the end. And I think a lot of it still comes on. You have the thrust of harvest moving in. Uh, this week, and you also have it again coming in uh, next week as well. Uh, so you're going to have that hedge pressure coming onto the market. So a little bit of a correction that took place in here, but overall, not the worst. Other than the wheat market probably took the biggest hit, uh, as we saw, and that gonna, is going to continue to struggle with export business in both wheat and corn still being less than desired. And the wheat market, as we start a new week, we still continue to chase these headlines, or at least the spec community does, about what's going on with these Black Sea exports, right? Yeah, it feels like it's one day on, one day off. The export uh, corridor will be open. The Ex export corridor is going to be shut down. Uh, so the rhetoric continues as it uh, gets closer. It comes into mid-November. So I expect that to be continue to be the case in here. In, in the big picture, though, you still have plenty of wheat, so you're going to have to add something that creates some type of a weather scare and hurt the crop and probably going to have to hurt the crop here in the U.S. in order to start seeing prices move higher. So as we start another week here, what else do you think we're going to be trading in the grains, Mark? Well, I think what we want to look for now is that uh, uh, the eye and attention is going to go down to South America. The weather starts to become a little bit more critical uh, down there. You've got the, uh, dry conditions in Argentina. You've got to watch that. You're up to about 75% of the crop area is in need of moisture. It's time to be putting the corn, first pruning of corn and, and beans in the ground. Corn's behind on planting down there. Uh, and again, once you get to the 1st of November, they're going to either decide whether they're going to put in, uh, ship the corn acres over to beans. And I think that is a real threat. Yeah. Uh, beans, they could plant beans all the way until about the uh, middle of December and still get, get away with it. But corn's going to have a little bit of an issue here, at least in the southern part of Argentina. Thanks so much for joining us. Mark Schultz with North Star Commodity Morag Day coming up. Ag Day is brought to you by Farm Shop MFG. Did you know that 20% of stored corn is often overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for less with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG. Specially priced at $1,800 per unit while supplies last. Meteorologist Matt Yurisavik joining us here taking a look at uh, really starting with the root zone moisture map and right there through the middle of the country. So dry, any chances for moisture? I know it's harvest season and you know some of that can you know kind of hang back a little bit, but what do you think? 
Yeah, it looks like the middle of the country and especially areas that kind of flow into the Mississippi. It's going to be really dry this week, so good for harvest, but again, it's going to expand those drought conditions through the middle part of the country. And we've continued to watch the root zone here dry out through the middle part of the country. That's going to continue when we get an update as we head through the middle part of this week, but again, still looking at very dry conditions through the middle part of the country. We've seen the drought conditions really start to expand off to the east as well, covering most of uh, the Great Lakes and into the Mid-South, and we'll maybe even see those um, expand a little little bit farther into the mid-Atlantic and southeast, getting a little bit worse here through the middle of the country. And again, all that going into the Mississippi. That's why those river levels have been extremely low. Still looking at cooler air in the north and east and over the Great Lakes and the Ohio Valley through at least Tuesday and into Wednesday. Once that gets out of here, the mild temperatures return through the end of the week, but it's going to be warm out in the west. Temperatures much above average because of that big ridge. It eventually eventually breaks down through the end end of the week. Some of that warmth will come back into areas that maybe even saw some of that snow, but it's not going to be extremely warm. Still looking at temperatures on the milder side for most of the country heading through this week, except for along the Gulf Coast and the Southwest. And again, not too much precipitation either. A couple of showers and storms here in the uh, downwind of Lake Michigan, downwind of Lake Erie, uh, all of those great lakes dealing with some of that. It's not until the end of the week where maybe we see a little bit of rain start to move in to the center part of the country. So it's something that we'll have to keep an eye on. But for this uh, week, we're looking at precipitation below normal for most of the country. Again, things continuing to dry out, likely seeing fire dangers elevated through the middle of the country above normal precipitation back in the southwest and temperatures below normal in the east and along the Gulf Coast. But back in the west where that ridge stays strong, that's where we're really going to see the warmth continue. And then as we head into next week, still below normal in precipitation in the east in the center part of the country a little bit more coming into the west and temperatures will remain above normal for most of the country but still staying below normal in the east heading into next week that's a look around the country now let's take a look at the weather where you live Worcester, Ohio, showers possible, a high near 47 degrees. Heading to Broken Bow, Nebraska, sunny and cool, a high of only 57. And Midland, Texas, cloudy with showers likely, a high near 58 degrees. Coming up, Machinery Pete is spotting a new price trend in the used equipment business, and it's not necessarily bad news. Next. Prices in the used equipment market are the highest machinery Pete has ever seen, but he is noticing a new price trend that may be better news for some producers' wallets. Well, no doubt about it, folks. It's been the hottest used farm equipment market I've ever seen, strongest auction prices in my 33 years compiling this data. But I am beginning to see one emerging soft spot, and that's under 40 horsepower used tractors. Now let's take a specific example. On an auction just on uh, October 12th in Walla Walla, Washington, this 2021 model Kubota B2601 with 40 hours on it and a loader sold for $16,000. Not a strong price. I mean, it's the third highest one ever. But if we compare back to the spring, April 2nd on an auction in Pennsylvania, uh, another 21 model B2601 with 13 hours and a loader sold for $18,500. 
So again, auction price is beginning to soften. Now to understand why in this under 40 horsepower space they're softening when they're not with the large ag equipment, we need to understand what's happening on the dealer use lot. So here's a look uh, at supply and demand. Now this is data from our machinerypeat.com website. We've had almost 4.9 million searches on under 40 horsepower tractors for sale the last two years. And this chart is looking back just pre-pandemic, so spring of 2020. And you can see that blue supply line was, was quite a bit above the, the orange demand line. Of course, then the pandemic hit and the orange demand line shot skyward as people, you know, hobby farm uh, acreage owners, uh, not able to spend money going out to eat at restaurants, not taking your kids to ball games, uh, government sending you checks in the mail. And the buyer demand was just shot up instantly for these small horse tractors, ATVs, jet skis, boats, all that stuff. So new stuff sold out, uh, used lots, used items on dealer lots, just poof, gone. Now more recently, this has begun to self-adjust. Here's, here's the updated look at supply and demand from machinerypeat.com. And you can see the blue supply line now is far ahead of the orange demand line as we have factors like inflation, rising gas prices, the stock market's wobbly. Buyers of small horse tractors are backing off. Now the one other difference here, of course, versus large egg, uh, is there are just flat out more manufacturers in this space. So in addition to Deere, Case IH, New Holland, Massey Ferguson making under 40 horse tractors, you've got Branson, Coyote, Montana, and others. So when the demand took off in spring of 20, it didn't take as long to refill the pipeline. And now dealers have more inventory on their lots, buyers are backing off. That's why we're beginning to see softer auction prices. The 2022 growing season was full of twists and turns. We'll stop by Harvest in Louisiana as farmers tally the results of a challenging year. Ag Day is brought to you by MetLife Investment Management's Agricultural Finance Group. MetLife Investment Management is positioned to help you grow your business with a competitive farm, ranch, and agribusiness loan. To learn more, visit investments.metlife.com backslash agriculture. Tough growing conditions led to a disappointing soybean crop across Louisiana. As Craig Gotro reports, producers are in the final stages of the harvest and they're hopeful those beans planted later have better yields. Ideal conditions at the start, drought in the middle, and floods near the end have turned optimism to pessimism for many soybean growers in Louisiana. Hot, dry conditions in June reduced yield, and the flooding rains of August reduced the quality of what remained. The, the number of pods we're able to set were decreased, and then right when we were done filling the seed, then we had too much rain and rotted our, our seed. So it's been a pretty stressful year. Irrigation was essential during the drought and helped preserve yield. For those unable to irrigate, yields could be off as much as 50%. Unfortunately, I do hear a lot of around 20 to 25 bushels per acre when the normal would have been around 35 to 45. So definitely we're seeing some yield loss in dryland beans. To get the highest yields, recommendations are to plant soybeans by the end of April. This year, beans planted at the optimum time were mature and damaged by the persistent August rains. Everything that matured past that first week of September or so has a good chance to have better um, quality. Input costs are up, but so are the prices for soybeans. Most Louisiana farmers will not receive these high prices because of the conditions of their beans. We're still sitting a little over $14 per bushel. 
but that's pretty much if you have perfect beans. But a lot of our beans, of course, have damage this year, so the farmers are gonna see some dockage from that $14. One silver lining so far is that the harvest weather has been nearly perfect. With the LSU Ag Center, this is Craig Gotro reporting. All right, thanks, Craig. And that's all the time we have this morning. Sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day on Farm Country.